whistle blows and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars. It doesn't get any better than this. We love doing Vegas hockey. We love talking hockey. And how about it? It's a best of three now. Golden Knights come all the way back. Dodged the dart against Minnesota. Billy clubbed in game one. Severe heartache of game two. Down a goal with five minutes to go in game three, and then a Sasquatch foot in game four. And Vegas is playing at a very, very high level. The one thing I would say, and we'll dive into this in the next hour, Bednar's a pretty smart guy. That's a really good hockey team, and they're going home. So they can make adjustments. They have to. I think... Stevie, what I'm seeing right now is Vegas taking away the neutral zone. I thought they got a little too frisky in the beginning. It was kind of a track meet yesterday. Colorado scored first. Sod gets the goal. and It's kind of like playing Colorado's game there. Then Vegas got right back to what they do. They clogged the neutral zone. Uh, Stevenson on, Mc- on McKinnon. They're doing a good job. Guys get on the puck. They get on them quick. But they're standing up at the blue line. They're not letting Colorado skate with the puck. But Colorado continues to try to skate through them instead of dumping it in. I would look for that adjustment from Colorado, but boy, fun stuff. Weird series. Two boat races, two incredible games. I really like the way that the VGK has played the last three games, even in the game two loss and the game that they could have lost in game three. But I like the way they've played. Good good on the forecheck, clogging the neutral zone. They've done a much better job of, of getting the puck out of their defensive zone and there's guys at the net. Carlson, Pacioretty, guys you don't expect. There are plenty of guys at the net. I love it. All right, this is going to be great fun. Dennis Bernstein's going to join us from the fourthperiod.com, one of our dear friends, one of our favorites. So we're going to dive into this series all around the NHL. There's going to be a fun, fast, action-packed hour, as will tomorrow night be. Sunset Station, Club Madrid, Game 5, Hockey Watch Party, 6 p.m. face-off. Bottles of VGK wine, caps, hockey knickknacks and goodies, food and drink specials. It's going to be a ball. We had a great time. And that was a home game that we did in the Wild Series. This is a road game now. So a lot of people that normally come to the watch parties were at the game. So this is going to be a zoo tomorrow. It's going to be fun. You want a fun night out? Honestly, trust me, the game is entertainment of its own accord. But the room's great. The games are on the big screen. We'll have great fun, prizes, the whole nine yards. So come on out, join us for the Hockey Watch Party tomorrow night, Sunset Station. When they're back home for game six on Thursday, you got, you should, you don't. You don't order the listeners. Order you. Go over to Terrible Herb, Stevie. You want to spin the wheel, the VGK $1,000 game day giveaway for Thursday night for game six at Terrible Herb's. Of course, when they're on the power play, Adam S. Cutner on Twitter, you can win tickets to a future Golden Knights game. And eat good for the game on a Tuesday. First of all, uh, John Smith subs, 9701 West Flamingo. On Tuesday, buy a sub, any size sub. Get, buy one, get one free. And there's the hat trick special 
A sub, fries, and a drink, 20% off. Just go in there and say the hat trick special, Vegas Hockey Hellings. Mark Chisot should probably get you. one for free today, right? Since he scored the hat trick. Ooh, we should have talked to Larry Saunders that if someone got a hat trick, yeah, the hat trick special, you'd be, you know, spend Larry Saunders' money. Marchie would love those fries. So Marchie gets the hat trick. Good stuff. And what I love was the different ways he scored. One was a snipe, but two of them, that line is playing with great chemistry. But do you know what, Stevie? You don't need take your bucket. Your bucket is off the hook. Even the Marchiso line, those guys are living in the paint now. And yeah. look at the difference. Yeah. I, I thought the first goal last night that Nemeth actually scored it. But Marchiso was in the paint and, and creating problems. Great play by Carlson there, by the way. So everybody thinks it's a goal. And I, and I thought some players on both sides stopped playing. Um, 44 for Colorado. I'm, I'm blanking on the name. He actually had the puck. And Carlson got it from him and flipped it toward the front of the net where Marcheseau and, and Nemeth were, and it, and it goes in for the first goal for the Knights. All right, I want to play a little sound from Pete DeBoer from this morning's press conference on some of the topics that are very pertinent. But the one I thought was really worthy of starting this because maybe uh, I think we are. And, and, you know, throw you under the water with me. I think we're both guilty of this. And maybe other people, too. The importance of Pacioretty back in the lineup. He comes back in Game 7 against Minnesota, and he's playing his lungs out, this guy. Marshall got the hat trick. Everybody's playing. But I just thought maybe it fell through the cracks a little bit, and I thought DeBoer had some pretty solid comments about Max Pacioretty this morning. And of course, Stevie. It doesn't, it, are you kidding me? Really? The best laid plans. My goodness. The goofy computer. Sing a show tune. I'm going to try this one more time. No. no again, I, you, you talked about the, the guys in front of the net, and Patch Reddy is one of them. With game three, he drove the puck to the, I mean, he didn't settle for five feet away. He drove the puck into the blue paint three different times. Uh, crashing into Grubauer. I, I just think that's fantastic. And, and you're right about that second line, too. All, all three guys, uh, th- this whole team, the last three games, cycling the puck so well at the front of the net. Uh, great on the forecheck, clocking that neutral zone. And the, the really big thing for me, they've done a much better job of getting the puck out of their defensive end. They've, they've really moved the puck up out of there very, very well. It's something that they uh, were having trouble with earlier. So my apologies. The stupid computer didn't play it. I don't think that one's operator error. I don't know what's going on. But back to the patch or anything, DeBoer said he talked to him after the playoffs ended in the bubble about different nuances and aspects of his game that he thought would be impactful for this team, especially in the playoffs. But you're seeing it from Petri. Then the one the other night when he drove to the net, I mean, he was taking his life in his hands. He yeah. went, he went there. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But, but I mean, he's got the you know the wrist shot he put in, the tip in the other night. But I think you're seeing the impact on Stevenson and Stone. I just you know listen, I, I just thought I didn't want I didn't think we completely glossed over it. But I think Pacioretty's return has been really impactful. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, I, I kind of, 
you know, you, you see him out there and you just kind of take it for granted um, that he's back. I, I, I have uh, glossed over it. Um, really impressed with his play lately. And, you know, we don't know, as far as I know, we don't know what the injury was or is or whatever. He's shown no effects of, of whatever it, it may have been. Well, I mean, DeBoer he, said he was not 100% for Game 7 in the Minnesota. He says he's 100% now. He looks 100% now to me. All right. I'm 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 almost afraid to try this. Dennis Bernstein, the most interesting man in hockey, back from the island. Hello. Good afternoon. Uh, you, you've taken for granted a guy who scored 91 goals in three seasons for Vegas? Okay. I, I just right. you, we, you overlooked that you glossed over that huh okay he step he steps back <laughs> in the lineup and we just we we I do I kind of take it for granted oh there's Patretti doing what he does and 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 you know only a, a week ago you know he was laid up and I I, I don't know he just you're I, I, he's you're, a gamer I love that player I didn't know him from Montreal I, I I I'm not shocked in any of this to be honest with you he's a gamer. And you're lucky to have him. Well, and I wanted to play this. The computer's not cooperating. Uh, but I'm listening along. I know. But DeBoer talked about last night a lot of the reasons they're back in. When we describe these guys a lot in the regular season, you know, we call them resilient. They bounce back, answer back. Right. Um, but it's one thing after you get demolished in game one feel you really deserved game two and lose in that heartbreaking fashion. And it's easy to go up in front of the mic and say, well, you know, we haven't, you know, the series doesn't start until someone loses on home ice. Right. I mean, you can say all that stuff, and it's it's the stuff to say. It's the right thing to say. But saying it and believing it, you know, you wonder seeds of doubt, that kind of thing. I'm just as impressed with their resilience and their mental toughness, Dennis, to have come back. And honestly, in Game 3, they're five minutes away from being on the golf course, and they get two goals in 45 seconds. And now, game on, pal, best of three. Yeah, well, I don't know about resilient because now they've played, what, 12 games this year, and each team has won six. So I don't think that Vegas – look, the first game you just throw out, right? I mean, he threw Leonard out there. The team's coming off a seven-game series against – um, you know, Minnesota. So I, I never expected a win there. But you look at – and even in game three, if you look at the advanced statistics, BB, they had 15 high-danger chances, and Colorado had four. So Colorado's a great finishing team. You can't give them opportunity to score. But look at the last two games, 32 to nine high-danger chances. And And you can't tell me one thing. You can't tell me that home crowds don't make a difference. I was on the island for games three and four. I watched how emotional they were like the other night. Like These capacity crowds make a difference to these teams. I don't care what. You may not win the game, but it certainly helps the effort. And you can see the T-Mobile. I saw it on Uniondale. It is a major factor here because it's been so. I, I was remarking to people before Thursday night, the last time I was in, in a building with a capacity crowd for a playoff game, was 2019 Game 7 Bruins-Blues. That's how long it's been. And so, in fact, when these fans do come back, I just think they're impactful with respect to the effort and with respect to finishing games. Stevie, help me. Short-term, was it Bruce Marshall that said about the first goal, the crowd? Was it Bruce that brought that up? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Dennis, Bruce Marshall, in the last hour, brought up, I think, a great point 
Because the players were all asked about it, and the answer was kind of yes. Colorado stopped playing on Marchessault's goal. First of all, uh, Carlson makes a ridiculous play, swats right. it out of midair, and gets it to the crease. But oh, by the way, that's all great. But if no one's there, I mean, what does it do? And that line's been living in the blue paint of late, and good on sure. them. Even Carlson had a screen he set the other night and then banged home a rebound. But on that goal, Smith had gone in and he wires it off the crossbar, and immediately the referee, who was directly behind Grubauer, waved it as no goal. But the crowd went nuts. Kenny Albert called it a goal on TV. And the crowd went nuts to the point where they think Colorado stopped playing because of the crowd reaction. That It was a goal. And Vegas just kept playing because they weren't sure. But Colorado kind of just stopped because they thought it was in. Yeah, it's it, it's a factor. It's Look, it raises the level. It helps supporting the home team. I mean, it definitely helped in, on the island. It's 1-1 with six minutes to go. Barzil scores. And from there, I, it, it was the game was over. Like it, it was demoralizing for the Bruins. They went up giving up two empty, and, uh, empty net goals. But I think right after that game, I don't think anybody thought that they wouldn't come back from two one. And once the Vegas got those two goals, did you give Colorado a puncher's chance to come back in that game? No, I really didn't. I didn't think. I, I think those those games were sealed. And again, I just think it, the the fans in the stands are impacting these games. Hey, were you surprised at, at all, Dennis, that – and I have nothing against Haig. Haig has played fine. Mm-hmm. But I am a little surprised that Haig came out instead of – that Holden came out, rather, instead of Haig. Holden, in, in my opinion, has played really, really well since stepping in in the playoffs. He's, and he's, he's got all that experience. He's made a, a, a bunch of really smart plays. And, it, look, it worked out well. They, they win the game. But were you surprised at all that Haig stayed in and Holden came out when uh, McNabb came back? No, but I'm a Nick Haig fan, so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not surprised at all, to be honest with you. I mean, he's, he's more rangy, he's bigger. And, and look, you're right about Holden. I think with respect to like where he fits on the depth chart, he's a nice addition to this team. But if I had one game to win, I'd rather play Nick Haig, to be honest with you, at this point in his career. He's, he's played enough games, Stevie. That he's not, you know, a rookie. He's not a kid anymore. He has enough experience to get going. And as you know, his his advanced statistics look look pretty damn good. So I I have I get your point about that, but that's a, that's what you pay Peter Boris for that that to make decisions like that. But I'm a Nick Cake fan, so I'm going to lean towards him. All right, they're paying Bednar too, and this guy's no dummy. They're going home. It's a best of three, but Vegas has tilted it on him pretty good here. It, it appears, and we I, I think we criticize the Golden Knights at times, Stevie, in the first four years, of being guilty of what I think Colorado's doing now. You know you're capable of flying in transition and skating, and, and mm-hmm. but sometimes dump it in and go get it is the way to go. And right now, Vegas is clogging the neutral zone a lot better, but they're standing up at the blue line. But Colorado, I think, is being stubborn, Dennis, that they're trying to skate through these guys. And if there's a big adjustment that I think Colorado should and likely will make is I think they got to start dumping it in. They keep trying to skate through what's been a wall. Well, the last two and a half games, it hasn't worked, right? And I think the key there is, and again, I keep going to these advanced statistics, and they're, they're amazing. 
So the expansion line, right? They haven't given up a high danger chance all series, right? So if they're going to win at the Avs, they're going to have to figure out how to deal with Carlson, Smith, and Marshall. Because it's not working. It's that they've been a dominant team on the ice. Not only have they been effective scoring, but they haven't given up anything because they had they, it's puck possession. So when people and look, I'm not the hugest you know advanced statistics guy in the world, but when I see like these scoring chances and William Carlson has 13 scoring chances for and one against when he's on the ice, like you got to win games. It's as simple as that. You can't. It's like you know denying science. It's like denying the math. If your entire group doesn't give up a high-danger scoring chance in four games, you're going to win those games. And you know it goes back to there's not much to sniff up, to change about these teams. It's like how different is Colorado going to be in their home rink? It's as simple as that. Are they going to lean on the fans? Are they going to have to change it? But I agree with you, BB. Their approach has to change. I'm not sure it can, though. That's the one. If you're an Avs fan, you're concerned. And I said it, and I've been on radio a couple times this morning already. You got to be worried if you're Colorado. You really do, because it's not like oh, you lost a game and it was, it was a one goal game. But yeah, you know, it, it it was. But that team never stopped coming, and that's what you have to do in these games is that you have to play the full sixty. Right, fifty five isn't going to get it done. Fifty seven isn't going to get it done. So with respect to that, they have to solve like a better need a better matchup. And for the people that thought a Colorado was going to go undefeated, and two, they don't need Nas Kadri. Like you, you don't know this game. Like, you need everybody all mm-hmm. in. And you see them in Winnipeg without Mark Shifley. Just don't think that you can walk through. I know at game two, oh, they're 7-0. Oh. No, it just it doesn't work like that. And who goes 16-0 and when it wins the Stanley Cup title? It doesn't work like that. It's just the amount of adversity that, they, that Colorado, and they know they got away with one in game two. So, yeah, I think they're very concerned going back to Denver for game five. And I agree with you. They, they need to find a different way. I'm not sure they can because that's not in their DNA. And with Stevie's point, I don't want to. I'm not scooping it from him, but I'll let him bring it to you. But the adjustment after Game One, they ran a play three times. Two twice it ended up being a goal, and that was McCarr with a cross ice diagonal pass through the high slot area to yeah. a winger defenseman coming down low. Game Two, Vegas got sticks in that lane. Uh, yeah. But Stevie, your point about the other guy they've taken away. Oh, Makar. Yeah, they, I, I don't. I, I, th- I think it's better gap control, Dennis, especially uh, when when Colorado starts out in their own end. Um, he mm-hmm. he's not he's not skating the he was skating the puck in in game one. He's not doing that in the last three games. So Vegas has changed up on him and and done a much better job of slowing him up as as well as that top line for Colorado. Yeah, he's taking some hits, but again, Steve, you got to throw out game one. Like, you can't. Compare game one to the last three games, right? You compare the last three games together, that's different because, again, now I won't say it's a give-up game, but it was as close to a give-up game as possible, right, with respect to the score and who's in the net. So I think that's part of the issue. But, yeah, again, this is not – Colorado is not a great defending team. Like, who's their best defender on the team? Ryan Graves? Maybe Devin Taves? Like, they don't have a, a Norris Trophy winning defenseman back there. And when I mean Norris Trophy winning, I mean a guy that plays both ends of the ice. Like, they don't have that. They're not the greatest defensive team in the world, but they're a great puck yeah. possession team. Well, you want to finish like you want to yeah. work them down low. I mean, they're not big. Yeah, I totally. mean, McCarr and Gerard get it low and, and hammer these guys. I would, I would certainly envision the next two or three games. I would envision Dennis. We're looking at what we saw in games two and three 
and call games one and last night not an well one's certainly an anomaly. Last night, yeah. I, I think Colorado makes adjustments that this gets really, really tight now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's how Vegas wins if it's really tight. If it's going to be, and the one thing here's the one difference between let's say Colorado and Tampa. Right, Tampa showed me in this playoff that you want to play two to one. Okay, our goalie will beat you, and he'll have one more save than your goalie. You want to play an up-tempo game, we'll spot you a 4-2 lead, and then we'll score four consecutive goals in a row, and we'll go back to your point joint to, to close out the series. That's that team. That's, it. That's what like, champions are made of. Colorado, I don't think Colorado can win a 2-1 game. I don't think they can win close games. Because, again, I, I think with the respective goaltending, would you trust Grubauer or Marc-Andre Fleury? I, I, I mean, he's had a great season. But their DNA is not to win two one games. They want to win five three four two five two. So again, if if Vegas can shut them down and and play the same type of controlled game that they did in three and four, then they're coming back to to close out the series. And like I said, I, I pick Vegas. I pick Colorado in seven in the series. But I'll be frank with you, game five is game seven for Colorado. They cannot lose that game and think they're going to come back to T-Mobile and, and even the series and take it back to Denver for seven. Like, they got to win tomorrow night if they have any designs on winning the series. Yeah, we talked about that first hour, Dennis. When it's 2-2 in a seven-game series, the game five winner, more often than not, is going to take that series. So this, this, this next game, this game, uh, yeah. uh, you know, is, is really, really important. Really important. Well, it's a huge, yeah, it's huge momentum, right? Because then it, you're, you've won three straight. Right, and then so there's doubt in their minds already because of the way they they got control. I mean, they were in the game, but again, Vegas controlled the play, so that's part of the issue. And, and again, if you're going to get momentum in the series and you win three straight and come back home in front of seventeen thousand five hundred fans who are going to go nuts, right, to beat your your main rival in the West, like I don't know, I wouldn't be betting on that game if, I, if I'm, I'm not betting on an Avalanche in that game. That's what I'm saying. This has got to be their game seven, and Vegas, you know, they have the, the luxury of coming back here for six, so you assume they're going to win that game, so they're going to push it to seven. The, the, the team at risk right now is the Colorado Avalanche. I like, you know, Dennis, the, the, the first goal for Vegas, kind of a result of, of a flip pass. I hate the mm-hmm. straight, the, the stretch pass, Dennis. This flip that teams are using, and we've seen the, the Vegas Golden Knights use it more and more often. This flip, to me, I love it. The, the, the defensemen are on their heels. The forwards yep. knows where it's going. It's not going to be icing. Uh, again, the forward has, has all the play there. He can build up speed. He knows where the puck's going. He can be first to it. Defenseman's looking up at the thing coming down. That's yeah, He's under duress. Yeah. The, the, the defenseman has to locate the flip pass. They have to see where the puck is going to land. A stretch pass doesn't do that. So, yeah, it, it's – and for that reason, you have to get your bearings – and then you have to look up, and the guy's coming down at you, the winger. So, yeah, it's, it's been an effective tool. But, again, I, I just look at the way they've controlled this series. And, you know, you can argue, but for that call on Rantanen, like, it's 3-1 Vegas. Yeah, that, that, that's true. And, and you're right about the way they've – the last three games, the, the cycle has really been good. They get it yeah. in, and they keep it in. That's the Vegas game. The Knights. Hey, Dennis. That's their the, game, Stevie. The one the – one... I'm going to say a big development because you knew the guy was capable of it. Transition, then the wrist injury. Mm-hmm. But the last, you could see it at the tail end of the season, it was getting better. 
but you're seeing Petrangelo now. You, you're paying this guy a lot of dough. You know what? Yeah. He's he's raised his game. I mean, and that's what you you need your best players. He's up the ante here, which is very encouraging. Yeah. Well, again, you can't. You can only put so much weight on the regular season. To be honest with you, but this is a guy that's going to go out there and play every, you know, all facets of the game, all the different, you know, penalty kill, five on five, power play, and he's he's going to be there. He's been there before. He's a Stanley Cup winner. Like he, it's not he's not he's not flinching in a big spot. You need those players in a big spot who have won. He's done that, and he's proven to you. So while his numbers may not have been great, and he didn't play all the games in the regular season, like you didn't sign him for the regular season. You signed him for. Like two two going back to Denver. That's exactly what you signed this player for, and yeah. So is it again? Is it like Max Pacioretty? Is it surprised that he's elevated his game here? No, because he's ready to play. Boy, it's as simple as it, and they were having trouble, you know, getting the puck out of their own zone. Uh, Petrangelo, especially, I've noticed the last three games. He he, whatever the pass that needs to be made to get the puck out of the zone, he's making that pass now. There's no yeah. more turnovers from him. No, no, because the games, look, the focus is there. The games are more important. So it's as simple as that. that, That's why you acquire a player like that for these tough games. All right, tell us about your sojourn to the old barn. Sure. Uh, Well, I I do have friends around hockey, and some friends said, why don't you come across and uh, we'll hook you up? Because I was not in the press box for three and four. And actually, I sat, so we have friends who were connected to the team, had tickets for three and four, sat upstairs game three, sat downstairs game four. Um, yeah, it's they've renovated the barn. So, like, back when I covered a team in 97 where I used to bang my head on a pipe in the press box standing up behind Eddie Westfall and Howie Rose, it doesn't happen like that anymore. But those fans are amazing. And not only that, it, you know, it's the one thing about, about Nassau is that it's a suburban rink, which there are not many suburban rinks anymore, and they do have 6,000 parking spaces. So I, the people are out there at 1 o'clock in the afternoon for a 7-15 game, you know, uh, uh, tailgating and grilling and stuff like that. And so I got there around 4. Just the, the crowd was amazing. And the good thing about the new building they'll move into next year at UBS at Belmont, they'll have 5,500 spots. So on weekends, I think that that will carry over. But the these fans are crazy. I mean, they're in, intense. They're crazy. They're loud. Um, the building is small. You know, it's just lower bowl, upper bowl, lower. It's like Chicago Stadium was back in the day, right? You know, a low roof. It was just, it was spectacular for the reasons that I mentioned, because I hadn't been to a capacity building in over two years. And I forgot how great this sport is, especially when it's the playoffs, especially when it's a full house. And it absolutely impacts this team. Right now, with six minutes to go, it's this tension in the building. And Brian, you miss you miss all that stuff. I'm sure if you were the game, you know, I'm sure the same experience was in, in Game Four in Vegas. But you miss the tension in the building. And I was in L.A. for 2,500 people, right, beginning of the season. I said, yeah, yeah, it's great, it's, it's nice, it's great. But it, it's it's five levels above that when you have a full capacity. And it's not a lot of people. It's about 13,000 that they have in that building, which doesn't sound like a lot. But in that small building, it was just memorable for me. And I done a lot. I've covered a lot of games over 20 years. These two last games, the way the crowd reacted and the tension of these games, one was an overtime game, the other one was decided with five minutes to go, they were just off the hook. It's, it's, the most important thing is that it's a glance at what was normal, like yeah. what we remember back in the day from 2019 and, and the past, is that that was like a normal NHL it, Stanley Cup playoff game. It sounds like a World Cup soccer game. They're non-stop. Oh, yeah. 
the chanting would be, yeah, there's a drum that some guy brings in the drum, and they're chanting, you have their special chance for, you know, asking uh, the Bailey to score a goal and stuff. So it just, the, the fans are just fantastic, and they're just intense and they're loyal. And the great thing about that is because, you know, they bring back their players, right? I mean, Vegas, you don't know about that, but, you know, they, I'm downstairs because I got privilege and, you know, I was in the, in the private club, but downstairs is like Eddie Westfall and um, Bob Nystrom and Clark Gillies, and then they brought in the Jet players and stuff like that. So it's, a, it's you know, Long Island is, is a community, and this team is so entwined to this community. That's why there was a disconnect when they moved to Brooklyn. They went to Barclays Center, which is not made for hockey, and, you know, the scoreboard was off-center, and there's a car in, you know, behind one of the nets. But this is, the, you could see the community grass, and you could see the generations of fans, that there's two and three generations of fans in the buildings for these games. It's just a reminder of, you know, how... And familiar this, well, this sport is and how it connects to generations. Uh, let me ask this question, and I'm not trying to tick off Golden Knights fans, all right? So that the not where I'm going with this. Uh, it's different. The Golden yes. Knights fans are loud and they're crazy and they're yes. passionate and they're into it. I, I mm-hmm. guess the question is: You've been to both places. The one thing I would say, if there was a difference, and not that not that the Golden Knights fans wouldn't do this of their own accord, but the Vegas thing, you got the sound and the bass and the, and the music and, the, yeah. and all the you know, the, the the thing on the island sounds like it's driven by the fans. Is that yeah. is that a fair well, comparison? Yeah, but understand what the venues are about too. The venue right. is more set up. For a show in Vegas, then no, I, I, it's apples and watermelons. Well, well, it's different. That's yeah. all. No, but but I, I think the I think the building is where it starts, not the fans, because you know the the, the scoreboard that hangs over center ice at Nassau, like, there's not even a shot total on that. There's just like the score and the time. And in the lower left hand corner, they have a video screen that you can't really see. It's not really that good, and you see the time of the penalty, and that's it. So this is more like Joe Luna's Arena than T-Mobile. So, and, and I will say this, like, there, there's a level, look, there's a level of sophistication in Vegas, right? Because it's upscale. The tickets are pretty darn expensive. I have friends that tell me how expensive they are. So it, it's different. But the one thing is, uh, because of the fact that most people have relocated to live in Vegas and mo- a lot of them come from the north and the east, it's a knowledgeable crowd. It's not like, but, but it's not like if you picked up the Arizona Coyotes and put them in Houston, like, do you think how many people in Houston know about no hockey, right? This is not the case in Vegas. That's one of the, you know, one of the fallacies about, you know, oh, he's never had it. Like, all, these people in that in T-Mobile, and I've been there enough times to know, they know the sport. They know what an offside is. They know what icing is because they've been a fan of some other team probably before they started rooting for this, you know, great franchise. And it is a great franchise because all the things they've done, they've kept all their promises and they put a highly competitive well, team I mean, would on you, Would you agree with this? I don't know the exact number, but of the crowd that's there, and this is no knock on locals, but of, of mm-hmm. the crowd that's there, if it mirrored what the community is, you know, A, some visiting fans are there, but right. you would think, what, like seven-eighths? or whatever, something like that. Three-quarters of the crowd, at least, let's say, mm-hmm. are, are probably people that have moved here and yeah. are hockey fans. It's not like, the, yeah, it's not like oh, hey, what's this hockey thing? Oh, no, it's not what this hockey thing. Look, at the end of it, the bandwagoners, the, like, if there's 17-5 in the building, could the last 
2,500 be, okay, they're a Vegas team and they're winning and this is exciting and everybody talks about them? Yeah, of course there's bandwagon. There's bandwagon fans in every, in every city, but, but the hardcore fans that signed up to begin with, like they were probably a Red Wings fan or a Ranger fan or a Devil fan or a Flyers fan. And, you know, maybe in, at, at, at first they bought the ticket saying, oh, I'll get to see my team once or twice or three times a year or whatever. And now it's different. Like now they're Vegas. And, and you see, look, I have friends and you want my party and stuff like that. And, and one of the topics of conversation is how much this city has embraced the team, right? They are a central focal point of this city right now. They are one of the attractions, without question. More so than the Raiders. Much oh, more so hey, I mean, b- believe me, the, the, no small thing, the little PR. The, the Raiders, the last couple of games, Derek Carr, they, they got, and Crosby, they got players yeah. there spinning the siren <laughs> thing. Like, hey, guys, yep. we, we want we want to chunk it as two. We want in. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's not like I've advocated that, and I was on the air in Vegas 15 years ago. Then, yeah, you know, all you need is an arena. You're going to get a team, and it's going to be great. No, no, third shift, people, da da da, transient town, da da. I'm like, no, wrong. There's too many people in this town that know this sport. <laughs> that, that's what I always thought, bro. I said, buddy, all you need is an arena with a great owner, and you got it. And I, to me, it's zero. I, I, have, I have told this story a lot, and I'll even add to it today. I was having a conversation with a good friend. And but back when I moved here in 2005, and I'd come on and, uh, hey, did you see the hockey game? Or I'd, I'd slowly start to be getting on the air here, and yeah. now don't talk hockey. Nobody cares. And I'm like, well, let no, me tell you I something. It, if the walls eventually come down, I can guarantee you the first professional team will be here. Will be an NHL team, right? Especially the way yep. the NFL was doing their thing. And then there's the other aspect that is, uh, you know, down the road. Hey, enjoy, enjoy this because. You know, this is not like it's not a rite of passage. You know, you have to earn this. Yeah, I mean, true. so right. and it's been nothing but lollipops and rainbows here. And if right. tough times true. do come, the difference for Vegas to a Detroit, a Buffalo, and Ottawa, not a whole hell of a lot of people. You know, a, a Coyotes fan or a, a Sharks fan is going to hop on a plane and go to Ottawa or Buffalo or Detroit. Right. But even if even if even if things did taper off to a degree, if the tickets are available, you're telling me on any given night. And this is what I used to say when I say yeah, it won't work. There go, there'll be three four thousand visiting fans who come into Vegas for a four day hop, and then the Armageddon scenario, yeah. Dennis, is if there are fifteen hundred v- uh, tickets available on a Tuesday night for a game with the Blue Jackets. There are 30,000 people walking up and down the strip yeah. in a mile-and-a-half radius looking for something to do, and 5,000 of them happen to be Canadian. You'll have walk-up right. crowd. Oh, yeah. It's like it, it's, a, it's done perfectly. right? And, again, I agree with you with respect to expectations of the team on the ice. It's not going to last forever. It's a socialist system, professional sports. That's why there's a draft. That's why there's a salary cap. You want parity. I get it. I understand it. But I, I, I think that this franchise will stand the test of time because it's ingrained in the, in, the, in, in the city. It's a part of the city now. It's an attraction. It's not just, oh, there's a hockey game over there. It's not. It's like you see, when I went to visit my son-in-law, like, everybody's got a Golden Knights license plate. Like, this is not just some fad that people are going through. Dennis, Dennis, Dennis let me yeah. just real quick. They yeah. were maybe four or five months from the first game. And I remember walking into the Suncoast one day, and I saw someone walk by me with a Golden Knights T-shirt on. I go, oh, okay. It was like the first one I'd seen. Yeah. And now 
there's there's nowhere nowhere you can go nowhere. that someone's got a exactly. cap, a shirt, a, a bumper sticker on a car, the, everything, billboards. I, I walked. I stayed at the Circa. I, you walk through the Circa. I'd probably tell you, in one evening, saw a dozen Golden Knights jerseys. It's just not. It's 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 not like it's like people sell this city short. That's the problem. Like they see, you know, they see, you know, jackpot. They see, you know, roulette. They see, you know, whatever. It's not the case. Like there's two million people in the city. I will eventually. Well, they think we. They think we all live on the strip. That's the thing. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, yeah. Like if you go, if you like, my my son-in-law lives in uh, Centennial Hills. You can't even see this. It looks like. I don't know, like Denver out there. It, 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 it's, it's not it's not that. It's a perception. It's like, just, But see, here's the problem. When NBC comes in and covers the game, what do they show? Of they course. don't show the stuff. They show the strip and the, the dancing girls and, you know, and, and everything else. And, and, look, it's a great location. I agree with you. You're always going to have a walk up there. There are tickets available. Right? Who knows, you know, when that might be. You're right. You're right, I, though. Every network does that. It's like, you know, I'm, okay, I'm a Bills nut. Right, so the, whenever the Bills game's on on national TV, they show two things: they show chicken wings and they show Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. Now the, exactly. the chicken yeah. wing thing, I'm all in on. The Niagara Falls, even though it's only 20 minutes away, you go see it once and you live there. And the only time you go it. there again is when no. someone comes in from out of town and wants to see it. And that's the perception, of it, Brian, is that that you can like you can live in Las Vegas and never visit the Strip and live a very nice, robust life. That's that's the difference. That's the that's what if you know the city, that's what the that's what the reality is, not the perception. And I get it, I understand it. Because look, it's great to market it th- that way, but but to me, I, I just think again, look, this all goes back to what like October one, the tragedy, and then the team was you know the presentation. I was there opening night. It was very emotional, even for a guy like me who doesn't live there. And and since that day, there's been a melding between this team and and this and and this the city that hasn't been broken. And I don't think will be because again, you have an owner who's visible in the market, who cares about this team, who'll talk about this team, right? The the owner of the L.A. Kings lives I, in Denver, is never does God, any press. I, I swear so, to you, so much, yeah. Bill Foley in the very beginning of this thing, and to his credit, right. I mean, you know, he'd come on the radio on your show, yep. but but in the beginning, like I, just, as you know, people love love him for that. Is when this starts, don't do the ivory tower thing. Stay no. front and center and be out there, and 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 he does, and and people appreciate and, and that. And you know where else they appreciate it? To, to circle back to where I'm, John Ledecky like sits in the stands at the at the Islanders games. Yeah, and you don't think that gets currency with the fans? Oh well, Foley's sitting, Foley's sitting there at center ice in the front row of one of the suites. He's sitting there with you can see him. Yeah, yeah, he's visible. He's on. He, he he talks all the time. He comes on your show. He comes on other shows. That's what you want. It, it's that that embrace that helps embrace the, the the friend. That's the right thing to do. Like and have a visible owner who cares about the city, who is at the games and is vocal about it. That's great. And again, Ledecky's the same thing. He's a regular dude, like who has a lot of money, who's co-owner of the team, right? But but chooses like not to sit. Although there aren't really any suites to sit in at Nassau Coliseum, like he's right there with the crowd, which is which is great. So again, this is not temporary. This is not a fad. Right, this is a major league team. It's the city's first major league team, and it's not going to go away regardless of their performance on ice. And, and you know, I'll, I'll I'll submit to you all as well. 
they're not going to get to a point where they're playing like Buffalo Sabres either, Brian. So I, I don't think it's going to – if there's a fall, of course there's, there's going to be because players get older and this team is in its prime right now. But with respect to how this team is looked at in this city, like that's not going away anytime soon. Hey, Dennis, I, you have – before we get out here today, you have connections to the league. Uh, I applaud the decision here. I, I want to see what you know about what changed. Uh, the Canadian team apparently going to be able to come down here. Yeah during the playoffs, and, and the U.S. team would go up well, there. They, well, they could always come here. It's the American team going there. So okay. That's the big boy. What, yeah. what, what changed, Dennis? Um, uh, life changed. Like, people are vaccinated. <laughs> people aren't sick. Um, that's, that's what changed. And the reality of it changed. And the sport couldn't – like, you couldn't – like, the Canadian government wised up. Now, I know they're still very stringent up there. My friends in Canada – I'm complaining about the quarantine, like my partner Dave Pagnota, if he comes down to to the U.S., if he goes back as a media guy, he's got to stay in a hotel for three days and then self-isolate for 11 days. Like, so, but the reality is, is that, that here's the reality, Stevie. Like, if the Montreal Canadiens come across the border, they're not putting the American population at risk. And when they go home, they're not putting the Canadian population at risk. It's as simple as that. Most of these guys are vaccinated, if not got at least one shot, if not both. It's not going to affect. So that's the one thing. If you're truly worried about the risk to the general population health, 25 Montreal Canadiens and their staff is not going to have an outbreak happen in Quebec or Ontario or any of these places. That's the reality of this right now and this, this virus. All right, pal, let's go. Montreal, Stevie is looking for – he likes the plus price. He's not the, you know, the underdog. I – I think the puck line's in play. You want a plus prize? Montreal, Sasquatch foot, get this over with? Oh, it's over. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's two entirely different mindsets of the teams. Winnipeg's defeated. They're done. They, they sure look that way. They, they, they really yeah, – and, and Montreal, come on. What what click? They're, I guess it's price, but they win three in a row against they, – they've won six in a row now. What the heck has happened in, with Montreal? I think they reverted back to Dennis – don't forget at the beginning of the year how good they looked. I mean, well, they played Vancouver though. Uh, yeah, well, is right? Toronto any Price better? Has been, <laughs> Price has been better than Campbell, and he's been better than Hellebuck. But this is—I watched it, and I was texting with Dave um, during Game Three. They look so confident that if something bad happened in a game, it wouldn't phase them. They are a supremely confident team right now. They're just going to win the game. They're going to, and they—they they shut teams down. Now, granted. Shifley being out turned the series without question. And the other issue with Shifley being out is not that he's out, is that the guy who was supposed to step up in his place, Dubois, hasn't done anything. And I've been joking that the, the Dubois for, for, for Lane trade hurt both teams. Yeah, they, they both <laughs> lost. Was, uh, no, I know. Lonnie was terrible in, in Columbus, and this guy hasn't, done, hasn't moved the needle. In, he's played on left wing. They needed him to really step up and be the one C in this, in this round, and he hasn't done it. So. It's the it's mindset. It's like it's like you saw you saw Vegas's mindset in three four. Montreal's mindset is we're not going to lose the game. We're not going to make a mistake. They're a confident team. Okay. When you're confident, you don't make mistakes, and then you wind up winning games. Uh, the other thing, Carolina spit the bit with a lead, but this yeah. is a good team that's well coached. I mean, I think Tampa Bay's you know got the cushion. I don't see Tampa losing three mm-hmm. in a row, but no. unlike. Winnipeg, I can see Carolina, you know, winning another one here. Puncher's chance, BB, but losing the game the way they did the other night, 
I think I think we're done in five. I, I really do. And I respect Carolina. I like the th- love the things they do. They're a team of the future. But up 4-2 on the road, and you get four scored in a row on you, that's how great Tampa is. So I think this is a five-game series. I think they're done. All right. So, like, do you have, like, a big desktop full of chloroseptic or throat yes. lozenges? I mean, how many radio shows you do today? New Year's the third. I'm doing two more. I'm doing Odyssey Sports, and I'm doing Fan 590 in Toronto. And I have one of my horses running tonight at Ocean Downs in Maryland, believe it or not. Ocean Downs? Hey, I saw the baby. I saw the maiden ran second. Breaking from the rails, tough. Yes. Yes, it is tough. She had a nice race, and one of the jockeys got thrown out missing the Belmont. But she had Lady Valentine had a great start, and we've got uh, Hillbilly Camtastic in, I think, the fifth race at Ocean Downs. Um, she's been on a pretty good streak. She won two of her last three. So, uh, was, you know, a cheap claimer, but she's fun to watch. Go ahead, Hillbilly. Let's go. <laughs> Here. Get the horse sound in there for you, buddy. You're the man. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Buddy, you're the best. Thank you so much for doing this, and we'll be calling on you as the journey to the silver shiny thing continues because we know you'll be all over the place. I'll see you in Vegas for the cup final, boys. Cup oh, <laughs> listen uh, to that guy. Dennis uh, Bernstein, the fourth period. Dot com at Dennis TFP on Twitter. One of our dear friends. He's awesome. All right. Hockey Watch Party tomorrow night, Game 5, Sunset Station in Club Madrid. Get on out there. We are going to have a hockey hoot nanny, as it were. You can get the hockey hat trick special at John Smith Subs on a game day, 9701 West Flamingo sandwich. Fries and a sub, 20% off. Say the hat trick special. Tuesdays, buy one sub, get one free. They're on the power play. Adam S. Cutner on Twitter. You can win tickets to a future Golden Knights game. And when they're back for game six, spin the wheel of Terrible Herbs for the $1,000 VGK game day giveaway. Stevie, my good friend, good fun. Line of the day. The trade hope hurt both teams. Yes, it did. <laughs> Tomorrow, David Shane. Uh, we'll see what Steve Karp's doing Wednesday, Thursday, Ken Bolke, Vegas. We got you covered all this week. Hey, TC and uh, Ballpark, I think the boys are ready to rock and roll.